couple weekends ago, I was at the Mo Ranch Christian Conference and Retreat Center in Hunt, Texas, standing alongside the Guadalupe River and runs right through. And, and with no human voices around at that particular moment, no highway nearby, no television screens, it was a wonderfully peaceful moment. And also, of course, there was the water steadily running, the slight buzz of insects, the, the, the chirping of birds, the breeze occasionally catching some of the leaves now and again. And together, these sounds, I think, gave voice to what Scripture declares, all of the earth sings your praises. And so at once, silence and sound. Praise, even. Can you think of the last time you heard that silence and sound. When they heard what Peter told them, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Silenced there does not refer to silencing of, of all sound because we read, they audibly praise God. Silence refers to the fact that their quarreling, their argumentative posture, their critiques are now quieted and instead praise is offered. C can you imagine if the quarreling of our day, if the arguments of our day, if the heated animosity of our day were quieted. Not just people kind of holding in what, what they really think. Not people sort of seething under their, their breath instead of saying it out loud this time. But no, if the issues that run to the very heart of, 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 of our disagreements, the very heart of our identities, if somehow our collective hearts were quieted and opened unto shared praise, That would feel like a miracle on par with the parting of the sea. And yet that is what happens in this most central story. Because the story begins in the singular place of greatest contention emerging from the earlier follows, early followers of Jesus in the ancient world. Because for Jewish people, Jewish followers of Jesus, there were Jew and there was Gentile. There were people of God's way, God's law, God's favor, and, and, and people outside of that. And one of the clearest ways that, that you made it, that, that you kept God's law was by what you did or you did not do with your body according to God's law. Men of God were to be circumcised. People of God did not eat at table with Gentiles, nor did they eat their food. What you did or did not do with your body, what you put into or not into your body, these were foundational practices declared if you were keeping the law of God and were foundational then to the collective identity of a people. Peter, why did you go among uncircumcised men and eat with them. 
Why did, why did you put yourself next to them and their house and, and, and ingest that food? How is it in, in one motion you would break God's law, break so many fundamental signifiers of, of what it means to be the people of God? This, this moment, we cannot underestimate, is incredibly tense. The questioners are probing how one from, 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 from their side and, and God's holy word were, were embodying, was now embodying something so far outside of it. And it does make me wonder about Peter. Peter, you may recall from the gospel stories, one who was quick to speak and act and then think later. Uh, was he tempted to reply in any number of different ways at this particular pressing moment? In his book, Think Again, The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know, uh, Adam Grant explores how often, especially when we're talking about difficult, divisive issues, uh, we do as humans default to uh, one of three ways of being. And often they seem very attractive ways of, of being, and, and yet frequently uh, these ways of being blind us further or blind others further from, from the actual truth. Uh, Grant says, uh, we are often tempted to go into preacher mode. The irony's not lost on me. <laughs> Prosecutor mode or politician mode. Preacher mode. We raise our voice and make it abundantly clear all the reasons we're right, that, that, that we're good, that, that we are just. Po uh, prosecutor mode. We make it lucidly clear all the reasons the other side's wrong. All the shortcomings, the pitfalls in their logic, all the wrongheadedness, all the foolishness. Preacher, prosecutor, politician. We seek to win over an audience and, and, and to ensure that no matter what happens, we have the numbers. See, look at all the people that agree with me. With the pressure on and around such, an, such a huge apparent act of unfaithfulness, I, I, just, I wonder, was Peter tempted to respond as preacher or prosecutor or politician? Are we? You know, I remember a number of years ago when the Presbyterian Church voted to change the definition of marriage in our Book of Order so that it does allow for marriage between two people, whether man and woman or man and man and woman and woman. In particular, I remember I was serving a church, and, and a day after that vote happened, a very well-respected elder in this congregation who'd served this church for decades so faithfully, he comes to me, and at six feet, three inches, looks down at me, and, and, and he says, this church's session needs to make a statement immediately. Marriage is between a man and a woman, and the leadership needs to be clear on that with the congregation. Preacher, declare the rightness of this side. And, and though I disagreed with him, tempting no matter what the issue, what the time and so, in many ways, that moment marked what be the beginning of a tremendously tense summer at this particular church where the lines felt so very thick. 
all of the time. Peter, Peter, when the room is tense around issues of fundamental faithfulness and an identity. Peter, when people are embodying ways of faith that are notably different or distinct, Peter, what do you do? Peter tells a story. No preaching, no prosecuting, no politicianing. Rather, step by step, we read, he tells the story of what God's been doing Recently, Well, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and I saw a trance. In a trance, I saw a vision. How often I would say God stories start in those prayerful spaces. Space, space is far more about receiving than doing, far more Sabbath than busy. Peter tells of seeing this something like a sheet coming down from heaven, and, and then all these different animals and beasts and birds, all of them unclean not to be put into the body of the faithful. And there was a voice said, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter replies, By no means, Lord, never in my life have I been so unfaithful. Which is to say, Jerusalem leaders, as you're hearing my story, I get it. Eating something like this as good, as, as right, as, as holy, it made no sense. It was entirely wrong. But, but then the second time the voice from heaven comes, what God has made clean you must not call profane. It happened three times, he shares. Three times God spoke a word that seemed to contradict or change or, or somehow expand a previous word I thought was set. Peter goes on to tell this story because it, it turns out it doesn't just involve him. And then at that very moment, there's these three men from Caesarea that show up and, and, and the Spirit tells me to go with them. Make no distinction about me and them, about them being Gentiles and me being Jewish, to consider us all, 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 all the same. Well, Peter goes on. We all walk to this man's house that I've been, I've been brought to. They, they've, they've come to receive me and, and take me there. And the story takes this whole other level. Where Peter shares, not only was God working on Peter over here with this vision and this trance, but the house where Peter now enters is being taken to is the house of a Gentile man named Cornelius, who says, not long ago, an angel of the Lord was working on him and told him to send for Peter over here to bring this all together. Men of Jerusalem, God was working on me and working on them, and I didn't even know it. And then when we were all together and this thing God had brought together, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had fallen upon us at the beginning. If then God gave them the same spirit that he gave us when we first believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? Into an atmosphere fraught with tension over fundamental issues of faithfulness and identity. Peter does not preach, prosecute, or politic. He tells a God story where God's working on him and God's working on them and how can I hinder the Holy Spirit if, if, if I can see the Holy Spirit's working on them? What do I see if I, what do I do if I see God's Spirit alive in in them, through them, to be sure, four chapters later, in the book of Acts, uh, in Acts chapter 15, 
there would be a great council at Jerusalem to address how the church is to think about these Holy Spirit stories in light of Scripture. The early church did not just put aside Scripture. But when God started to work in ways somehow bigger, more expansive than how they first understood Scripture and God's Word, they had to re- they, they, they recognized maybe they needed a fresh listening to Scripture itself because, again, how, how can I deny the Holy Spirit had fallen upon them? This church I served, they decided not to make a, a statement that summer. They, they instead um, had elders get into groups of two and three and go to different houses of the membership. And members in the congregation could sign up to go to one of these houses one evening and, and meet with, uh, with these elders who were, who were there. Uh, and they were there to listen kind of small group listening sessions. Uh, the Presbyterian Church has, has changed the definition of marriage here in our Book of Order. What are your thoughts? Where are you with this? What are your questions? And they open the floor then in, in these homes with these elders facilitating um, in groups of eight or ten or twelve, however many showed up. And slowly, anxiously, hopefully, Members began to share. Stories came out that no one had ever heard or knew about. Parents with gay children who'd never spoken about that fact or how significantly it was shaping and challenging and changing and shifting so many things in and around them. Congregants wrestling to reconcile the various scripture passages with the fact that their favorite co-worker or even neighbor is, is, is gay. Eventually, that, that summer, there was this longtime leader in the church, just beloved by the congregation, very faithful, very gifted musician, and offered that gift regularly in worship. Servant-hearted, did, did a lot behind the scenes. One of these salt-of-the-earth people that's just well-loved by, by everyone uh, in the congregation. And one day he asked if, if he might buy me lunch. And for a variety of reasons, he decides he's at this point where he just he needs to say, Bobby, I'm gay. I've lived with my partner for over 10 years without anyone in the church knowing But my partner, an eventual husband, once that was legal in the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, my partner's integral to who I am and who I've become and and how I love and and serve others. And he told me their story, and and eventually he let that story be known in the congregation. Stories flooded the summer of anxiety. Eventually, the elders report back to the congregation all that they've heard and listened to in these varied and painful and and hopeful and tearful and joyful and anxious hearts of the congregation. They they report back at a congregation-wide luncheon that happened right after the 11 a.m. service of worship. And after the elders report, I share just a few brief remarks, a couple stories myself, and I open the floor to questions. The very first hand that raised is also a body raising to standing, full suit and tie. It was the man whose reputation as a strong 
and faithful leader, well preceded him. A man who spoke infrequently, but when he spoke in that deep voice, everybody listened. It was the man who called for the preacher posture earlier that summer. And I closed my eyes because I truly did not know what was coming next. Church, he said, this issue has divided us too long. We must drop this division and figure out how to love one another. And he sat down, and in all of my years of ministry, I've only witnessed God parting the seas right before my very eyes twice. That was one of them. The entire room went silent, not, not with a seething anger, not with an anxious quiet, but more, more like the way ice melts under new sun. A couple months later, that beloved congregant in whom everyone had for years readily seen the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in his life, um, and, and who was also gay, well, he was getting prepared to, to marry his, his, his partner. And the entire music ministry, notably those quite conflicted about how and, and what to think, and, and those quite excited, truly, the entire music ministry put together and through this joy-filled, uh, music-filled, food-filled, congratulatory celebration, because the thing was, if then God gave them the same spirit that he gave us when we first believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to hinder God? Another couple months later, the church leadership studied the scriptures, much like happens in Acts 15, right? Wrestling with this expansive work of God, and, and did we all somehow then need a, a, a fresh listening then to, to what and how and we, we read and hear God's word? The point is the summer of great anxiety before one of the most pressing issues of, of fundamental faithfulness and identity. It was God's stories that were told and the people of God eventually heard both silence and praise. Can you think of the last time you knew that miracle? Amid so much that acutely divides us in our time, do we not ache for that miracle in our families, in our church, in our nation, within our divided hearts themselves? Do we not ache for the, for, for the joy of that profound peace and praise to, to, to be shared? And fundamentally, we will not preach our way there. We will, we will not prosecute our way there. We will not politician our way there. We will not get ourselves there, right? That kind of peace and joy, that is a gift of God and God alone. But the good news of our passage is that God's already working on the gift. Look for the Holy Spirit stories. Your life, our life the ones breaking boundaries within and without, the ones pressing and stretching within and without, the ones that don't have an ending right now and have still a lot of questions that are not neatly tied by like a bow, but, 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 but they're real and something's unfolding. 
right in the midst of some of the most pressing and divisive realities. And then, without coercion or exaggeration, just step by step, tell the stories of what God's been up to. Because, right, it's a, that's what sits at the heart of our faith. It's, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a story. The story of God showing up among very unlikely people in a feeding trough in a backwater town, walking his day as a person uh, from a people group who's among the persecuted minority, and against all odds and logic, loving those who are overlooked and underloved, loving the poor, loving the wealthy, loving those with the wrong religious affiliation and those with the scriptures memorized. And at the climax of the story, the place of deepest division, where Jesus' followers are divided from him by fear, where people are dividing his clothes at the foot of the cross, where where Jesus' life is being divided from him by the power of sin, evil, and death itself. There, of all places, is where the story is raised. And Jesus, who is risen, gives us his spirit, that we might know the gift of that same surprising love showing up in all the wrong places and all the wrong people on all the wrong sides in the deepest moments of greatest division and ache for a rising. It is a story that sits at the heart of our faith, and it's still unfolding. As you think once more of the most acute divisions and issues that run to the core of what it means to be faithful today, the core of our identities, uh, the, the core of keeping the right law, what if we pulled back for a moment and listened and watched for the God stories? And with Peter just... Told those. When they heard Peter's story, they were silenced and they praised God. Amen.